so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Marseille View. Um, I'm your host tonight, Ben, so Steph's um, quite busy, the others are quite busy, it's the end of, the, of half term. <laughs> Um, so tonight it's just me and Mo. How are you, mate? Hi. Um, yeah, no, really good to be back. Um, obviously not on, not on here as much as I used to be or as much as I'd like to um, <laughs> because of timing. But no, really, really good. Um, so you're one of the few people that <laughs> are free on this Sunday night. Well, yeah, again, well, it's, it, it depends on the calendar, right? Because sometimes yeah. we, we've been used to playing Sunday nights and now... Um, Actually, this season, due to Champions League, we're going to be playing on Fridays and Saturdays more often. Yeah, um, which is sometimes good to switch it up. But, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Sunday night slots. I just feel like there's regularity and definitely a lot more time. Yes, but, but it's better to have a hangover on the Sunday than a Monday, I can tell you that. Yes. <laughs> After watching the game with the lads in the bar. Um, but no, look, welcome back. Good to have you back. And I guess let the, as, as it tends to be when there's only two of us. Um, we just have a chat, really, and, and the format sort of jumps a bit. But I guess to start off, um, as we, we sort of alluded to briefly offline, was we've not had you back on since the, the, the whole changeover and Sampaoli departure and Tudor's arrival and, and, and the pre-season uh, pseudo mess where he was falling out with players and media frenzy. So in, in your own way, I guess, what, what, what do you think of all of that? What's your take on on, the, on Tudor's uh, perceptions and, and I guess from your point of view you're, you're a journalist right so how much of this do you think is just propaganda and scaremongering from the French press? Um, yeah well first of all um, I think it's probably well answered by everyone else um, over the last few weeks and obviously the podcast has been well covered and uh, I you know I, you won't be surprised to find that I've got sort of the same opinion as everyone else um, on this I think given just how well last season um finished and just the really good vibes that we had going into the end of May. Um it really was a big surprise to find ourselves at the beginning of August sort of really down in the dumps and um pessimistic about our chances in Egan, our chances in the Champions League. At one point in the summer our chances of signing any decent players. Um but you know in typical OM fashion I think it was some of it was perhaps a bit over the top melodramatic. Um, easy to say now, obviously, with seven points of the board out, out of nine and and the whole new team um, with various positions covered. But, um, you know, it's 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 you know part of um, the way things go in this club. I think sometimes some of us do wish that it's a bit more stable, a bit more predictable, um, that one good season can be followed by another. I think by my own calculation, that hasn't happened since 2009 and then followed by obviously 2010, which is a great year for us all. Um, every sort of decent year is followed by um, a year which the squad tends to be ripped apart uh, through chaos or another and then 
you go through one or two further years of, of build-up. Uh, that hasn't seemed to have transpired yet, but obviously I think there are a few things bubbling under the surface. Um, obviously with, with, with Igor Tudor as well, who despite a really good start, and I think some people are you know, thinking of getting the humble pie out the fridge, obviously with the, with the 4-1 win uh, against Hand, uh, against um, a backdrop of like booze, um, at the beginning of that match and, you know, how great things looked. But then I think over the last two games in particular, and we'll touch upon yesterday's game later on, um, question marks still about the way the team is set up, question marks about his management of certain players. Um, you know, it's still August. You'd expect a few tinkering um, from, from from the manager. You'd expect, um, you know, the team to, to sort of continue to gel and for us to think about what the best 11 will be. Um, but you've got to do that soon. You've got to do that um, soon for a number of reasons. Obviously, first of all, this season will be quite different um, because of the World Cup, and that's going to have an impact um, for every team. Um, but also, secondly, you know, you need to have maximum points as much as you can from these opening fixtures, because after the early September uh, period, you know, it will be, you know, the likes of, well, most of the teams who finished in the top six last year in quick succession. And that, you know, coupled with a hard Champions League draw, you could be having six, seven or eight games of really, really tough opposition. There's nowhere to hide then. Yeah, I mean, September and October are going to be marathon um, because there's not, it's, it's because of the World Cup, it's not like usual. There's the, the Champions League games, it's three in a row, one week after the other. And then there's a one-week break, and then there's the other three in the row because they're cramming them all in before the, Trump, the the World Cup. So it's going to be an infernal rhythm. And well, yeah, exactly. You had you had that in 2020, and that format True. didn't help us at all, in, you know, during COVID, um, because there's not enough time to pick yourself up to think about, you know, how you've approached these European games, um, in particular, you know, playing Porto back to back, and and you know, playing regularly um, three weeks in a row. Was, was tough. Yeah, and you've got and, and I, I remember back then actually because one of a couple of the games were quite tough after the Champions League games. We had Monaco, um, which we won at home. I remember two quick five goals. I think Tovan Benedetto scored, but still, I mean, um, well, we won every league game under AVB after the Champions League games, but it's not ideal, um, and and especially not when there's a new squad and, and you, you've got this sort of ticking clock because there's a break coming up halfway, through, well, not even halfway, a third of the way through the season. So we'll have to see. But um, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah you, you, your opinion on, on all the Trudeau stuff is pretty similar. I think, thankfully, <laughs> many of us on, on the show are on the same sort of wavelength on that on that extent where you, you've got to let them work. Chaos is not, none of us are strangers to chaos at this club, but I agree with you. It would be nice for it to not be, as much as it is, um, it's just you know you change manager and you and you overhaul the squad again as well. Um, and I guess before before we move on to yesterday's game, um, what what do, what have you thought of the signing so far in terms of the, the, the sort of profiles we've targeted and, and the way the squad's being built? What's your take on it? Um, some of it's been obviously really really good. I think in the last um, few weeks, I think um, up until. Maybe the first five or six, I thought it's an interesting sign, you know, interesting window, but perhaps it's not too different from uh, Vincent Napoleon's um, Project Dortmund sort of signings of 2013, signing really good young players on paper with no Champions League expertise 
um you know it's it seemed like we were heading that way um I thought you know first of all Jonathan Klaus and, and Chancellor Mbemba I thought were really really good signings but um you know with a Champions League experience for on, on behalf of Mbemba who's really good for Porto and then you had Klaus who obviously is great to have a French international as part of the team um now that we've got perhaps 11 um it seems to be pretty good and i think it's 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 good in the fact that positions have been strengthened across all areas of the field um some have looked great in particular um you know Nuno Tavares has had a great start um i think arsenal just might as well send us uh, one really good young player every every season and i look forward to welcoming uh, smith <laughs> in particular if they're, if they're of that quality definitely yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so so th- there's there's that and um you know uh up front luis suarez who i personally didn't uh, like has looked quite good um you know he was he was involved uh, yesterday in the second goal um isa kabore again some of the some of the I'd like to say wheeling and dealing because some, you know, some of these are loans and we haven't really uh, shelled out. But I thought, you know, Longoria is is really good at sort of sounding out uh, these deals. And Kabora, he looked absolutely fantastic in the Africa Cup of Nations, um, has been earmarked as, you know, uh, as a one to watch by Manchester City of all teams. Um, you know, there's potential upside there. There's potential upside in quite a few of our signings. Having Alexis Sanchez, who I particularly, you know, like and is, is the biggest name that we've had in years it, it it could all come together, but you have to sort of worry for any team who signs practically 10, 11 players. How quickly are they all going to gel? How quickly is it going to stabilise the current team? Um, you know, to build that tactical understanding, to build the personal understanding. And also with us in, in particular, you, you know, this team has never spent 70 million euros um, in, in a window, right? There's... In that case, you know, I think after PSG, this is a team that spent the most in Ligan, again, with not much uh, money coming in elsewhere. So you've practically already um, allocated your Champions League uh, TV money and all the gains that you expect to get. Because, you know, what we do know is this club is never going to rely on selling players for 25, 30 million euros. Um, and, you know, that hasn't transpired this season, no matter how much Frank McCourt wants it. That means there's added pressure of finishing second. Um, and there will be, um, I think, a huge risk if this team, you know, ends up in Europa League next year. Um, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be chaos. Exactly. I mean, it's good to see. It's good to see that they bet big. Um, you know, I think for 70 million euros, perhaps it might have been better to have five bona fide starters rather than 10, 11 players. Um, you know, that that depends. But um, the money is the money is there. And one thing I perhaps will deviate a little bit from the wider opinion from sort of all all of the fan base and and our friends um, who, who come on the podcast is that oh, it's controversy. Yes, come on, bring yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, well, one one place I will deviate <laughs> is is that you know one you can say what you like about Frank McCourt. He's put money in, and one thing you cannot um, sort of criticise him about is is putting money on the table. Now, how that money is used is another question altogether. And I, I definitely agree there's been sort of controversy and and definitely um, a huge, extreme disappointment in years gone by. But I think particularly since 2020, you, you know, depending on what you hear of, of COVID and, you know, government loans and, and obviously loss of TV money and how everyone's going to be suffering, you know, this team has spent, uh, you know, 70, 75 million euros uh, this year and another 40 uh, or 50 last year. 
and has brought in what? 10, 15? M- mostly. Right, well, um, a huge volume of players, yeah. Exactly. We've, we've basically overhauled the squad completely. I mean, um, you know, I was I was just saying yesterday at the bar we were looking at it, and when 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 Tudor made the subs, and fuck me, three, three years ago, coming off the bench, we had fucking Cowie and um and oh, Gay, you know. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and the other night, yes, yes, yesterday it was Payet's, um, it's Luis Suarez and Ender. I mean, exactly. you can't complain, can you? Really. The, the the bench in particular yesterday was incredibly strong. And I think, you know, the reason why they're able to put this money um, or commit this money, whether it's, you know, through dry transfers or or options, you know, very creative deals are being uh, made here. It's because I think McCourt is there to be, you know, to, to underwrite those. Whether he is biding his time, um, trying to make this team a bit sort of fatter in terms of value um, ahead of, you know, I don't want to say the word, but you know what I'm alluding to, whether he's looking for a, the exit door or... Um, you know, whether it's just, you know, a necessity, he's put the money in. And so I, I sort of disagree with McCourt out um, where maybe that was the case. If you remember across the summer, I think. Well, it was, I think it was halfway through, probably just after Trudor joined when we'd only, yeah. signed, we'd only signed Torre, we'd only signed, uh, and Benbo just signed. I think at that point people were, were seriously shitting it, right? They were like, Christ, we've still got Lirola and Amavi on the flanks. Um but since then, it's been it's been assigning signing every three or four days, and exactly uh, which which really to last summer. Sometimes I think yeah, you, you he sort of deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think you can always question the sporting policy, and he's ultimately the arbiter and and you know has got the keys of 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 everything you know happening at the club. Um, but he's not the sporting director. He's not the one negotiating with players. He's the one that's basically just signing the checks. Um, and and that has been apparent. I think you you some of the some of the criticism towards him has been a little bit unfair. Um, but it's, it's a classic in Marseille, huh? and, and it yeah. happens in other clubs as well. But in Marseille especially, people are impatient. People uh, um, you know have their own opinions about oh why why uh, <clears throat> why are we overhauling the squad again and why is why is Trudeau falling out with the players and why are we changing the tactic and all of that. And it's like. You know, people people spent a lot of last season saying trust the process, trust in Pablo, and all of that. And then within exactly. two weeks, they get rid of them. And it's a classic in Marseille. They people change their mind as soon as the as the sun comes out, and when the clouds appear, they they're bashing it because it's that it's that all or nothing in Marseille. Exactly, which which I understand, and you know, I I think you and I as well. You know, as much as as you know, level-headed as we're appearing to sort of be at the moment, we've we've been we've been guilty of that. Um, and I think Igor Tudor in particular, the jury's still out. You know, just a four-one win is not going to make me change my mind. I still have, you know, the jury's still definitely very much out um, with him going into the season. Um, you know, I think whereas our perhaps our transfer approach hasn't been low cost, I think our choice of manager has. Um, because, you know, that might be sort of more financial. That might be a case of not having, I'm not saying Tudor is ambitious, because obviously a step up from Hellas Verona to, to Marseille is definitely a huge promotion. Um, but, a, a, you know, a manager that's going to sort of be happy with the players that he's got and, you know, is his job is really just to coach players, implement the tactics and win. You know, it doesn't really have, and I might be wrong here, but doesn't really have a huge say in the, choices of which players are going to come um, and obviously have an impact on the finances that might lead to those players in the same way that Rudy Garcia had, Andre Villas-Boas had, 
Um, and Jorge Sampaoli had, obviously, with the signing of Gerson and, and Perez last year in particular, you know, that was direct uh, from his experience in Brazil, right? Igor Tudor is there um, to to sort of just play, right? Just, you know, get the team yeah, out. Coach I, yeah, I, go, I think it goes a bit deeper as well. I think it's because um, I was doing a podcast on um, on Friday. It was in French, but we we, we have this this European wide, and there was a guy that there was a Juventus fan on, and so we, we were quizzing him, right? Because it was uh, we were like Tudor, what do you think, and and how did it go when he was um, uh, Perlo's assistant manager at, at Juventus that one season he spent there, and he sort of he, he confirmed everything we've seen, which is. Um, I think you're right. He's 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 a bit of a yes man, but it's not to the point where I don't think it's one of those where he's careless or he's just you know happy to be there. Yes, that plays a part, but I think the main thing is that Ribalta and Nogoya were there at Juventus during that time. They got to know the guy. Ribalta obviously made the call when he joined and took over some of the sporting responsibilities from Nogoya. He said, "This guy's free. He's he's you know I think he he can play good football with with some tweaks." Um, we'll see it, but I think more than that, it's it's the structure which is very similar to Italian clubs, as you've as you've alluded to, which is everybody stays in their box. There's no conflicts. Everybody works in the same with the same objective in mind. The responsibilities are clearly divided, and you know it may take time. It may not work out with Tudor, but you know what? The approach in, in, with hindsight now, at the time I was I was you know I've, I've highlighted in, in on past shows the last few weeks that I didn't. It felt too much of a culture shock and stuff, but actually, it was never going to be a good time to do this. And and if it means that Marseille moving forward under Longoria, whether Tudor stays or not, but but if it means that we now have properly structured clubs that resembles the big European clubs, that's only going to help us improve over the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think you know it's it's August, obviously, you know, to bookend sort of this section. It's it's August, you know. No matter what state the team is in, you you will have, as you've seen today in the, in the Premier League, all of these sort of established teams are still figuring out their best eleven. Um, systems are being worked out. Players are not fully sort of at home in their new clubs, and and results can be a bit haywire. It's it's great to see at the end, you know, that this club is on seven points. Um, I think up until. Um, 45 minutes ago, top of the league. <laughs> I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's it's been a good start. The transfer window has been, I would put it, as a B. Um, you know, if I was going to grade it, um, a B at the moment. Um, and obviously, there's scope for perhaps one, maybe two players um, still to come in, um, and that's depending on further exits. So. The sporting director and and the president have done their job. Frank McCourt has certainly done his job. After August 31st, it's up to Igor Tudor. Um, and, 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 the players. and the players, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I think um, just, just to, to, to bounce off that, I mean, um, Longoria said it last night. I mean, um, we'll, we'll discuss this briefly afterwards just to, to more, more to laugh about it, put it to bed. But um, Paganelli on, on Canal Plus was interviewing him and asking him, look, what, what, what more, any more movements, any more signings? And he said... The focus is defensive-minded players. Um, I think they want to get uh, probably Baez one of the two, I would imagine, because it's not officially over the line yet. But I think, yeah, they want to properly strengthen that that defensive sector and get two two top signings in experienced players if they can. Um, and then, 
so that should happen, right? If Longoria says we're in the market for those players, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly find a way of doing them, I'm sure. But um, I guess we'll, we'll just finish off before we, we we move on to the game about this. <sighs> you know, journalists, Italy and Turkey have a way of doing this, of stirring shit up, right, with rumours. And so everybody's been, a lot of the, the fan base has been fantasising, oh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he wants to play for a club that's in the Champions League. Um, loads of rumours have come out that he's turned down this club, that club, this club, whatever. Um, so it was more a case of, um, you know, we all probably knew it was bullshit. And then some some Italian journalists came out and said, oh, they're talking. Mendes is talking with Longoria. And Paganini asked him yesterday and he just he just laughed. You know, I mean, how what else is he going to say, really? But I, I, I'm of the, the opinion it's all, you know, it's all just Pressure. Like the no fucking way it's possible. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you hear Paganelli uh, this, this evening on uh, Canaveral? No. Um, again, think? stirring the pot a little bit, you know. Oh, you know, he's looking for a club in the Champions League. Um, uh, you know, he's not necessarily aiming to, you know, looking for a club that will win the Champions League, but a club that's in there, nice sort of, you know, option where he can start pad a little bit. And, you know, that means, you know, he could go to OM. He can go to OM. Um, it's not a headline I've ever thought I'd sort of see um, words I'd ever sort of uh, think that would matter for us um, it's, it's just interesting um, if it did happen wow well, I, don't I, don't, be, I don't think it'd be healthy for him I don't think it'd be healthy for us um, squad, I think it would be one of those things you know it's, it, would I mean, be, it would be um, it would be a huge publicity coup for, for the LFP and for Liga in general right because you know, the Messi Ronaldo and the coverage and, and it may help them renegotiate TV rights in a couple of years. But yeah, for our sake and his sake, I don't think it would work out, but uh, who knows? But I, I guess, um, uh, and, and to add to the fact that it's just unrealistic and we can't afford it. I mean, this if, if this was 15 years ago, you know, before financial fair play, when you had Robert Louis Dreyfus, which is which he was much richer than than McCourt, and he didn't tend to care, right? He signed off loads of spending at the time uh, for Boucher and then for Duf before before he got ill, bless him. But it, back then, maybe it would have been more possible. Maybe he would have called Adidas and said, "Hey, you know, let's let's do a deal with this dude. I'll pay, I'll pay because it's my money. We've got there's none of this financial fair play sanctions and whatever. It's my cash. I do what I want." And, and I, I think it would have had more legs potentially at the time, at least exploring it properly and, th- and then dismissing it probably because he doesn't have any clue who Marseille are and doesn't want to join the club anyway. But nowadays, I, I, this for me is less than 0.01% chance. I mean. Yeah, it would be great though. It would just be. Yeah, I mean, I'd, lo- I'd love it. I'd it love would it. just be just to say, it would sort of bring us back to the 90s a little bit, wouldn't it? Um uh, you know, yeah, it, you know, the shirt sales would go up. <laughs> it would, we would sort of, sort of say, it would put us back on the map, right? I mean, yeah, rather, rather, than, rather than doing a run to the Champions League semi-final, for example. But and and um, I would and I would yeah. I would rate him a little bit. I mean, I know this is fanciful, and I apologise to all our listeners thinking that they're going to get, <laughs> perhaps, you know, tactical insight and not you know, sort of fanciful rumours. But it would be sort of incredible, not only for the league, but. I sort of would rate Ronaldo because, you know, I just feel like he, he maybe still has that um, Ibrahimovic-like quality. You know, if you remember when Ibrahimovic moved to Paris Saint-Germain, sort of took it upon himself to improve the professionalism of those players. Like, you know, not to come up to training five minutes, ten minutes late, um, to sort of be there and, you know, sort of, 
not so much have a culture of fear, but the players that have never played with a star of his quality uh, before sort of fixed up. And that's if you look at PSG in 2012 and PSG in 2013, before and after Ibra, it was it was incredible. Right. Um, 100% agree. That, that, that would work. I mean, obviously, that would, but I, I think we've already Sanchez is, is that player, I think. Um, for few play for few. I think Sanchez is definitely for few. It's just a shame that Bamba Dieng, who, 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 you know, said Sanchez is idol, is, is, is sort of not in, in the group at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. But I think Ronaldo would sort of kick that up to another level. Oh, so no, it's another level, definitely. It's another level. level. And, uh, you, you know, if it does happen, fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying not to make myself believe that very much. <laughs> But <laughs> you never know, though. That's the problem with Longoria. You never know. He's capable. 31st of August, right, tw- you know, two minutes before the deadline. Oh, we've pulled it off. But again, I, I don't believe it for one second. But um, I guess that, that, that segues the, the sort of recap stuff, and you know, good to get your view on it. And yeah, well, you're right. You're, entirely, you're exactly right. You know, the, the, the market closes <clears throat> on the 31st of August, and then it's down to the coach and the players to work with what they've got. And I, frankly, he can't, you know, Tudor can't complain. He won't anyway, because it's not, it's not what the way he's he's learned football in Italy. You keep your mouth shut and you get on with it. But yeah, it's the, the, then it's the, the la vérité du terrain, as we say. You know, it's, it's what happens on the pitch that counts. And as we're talking on the, the, what happens on the pitch, we'll segue into yesterday's game. So Marseille were hosting Nantes at home. Um, Nantes have, have started the season pretty roughly. They they lost the Trophée des Champions embarrassingly, well, like anybody would against PSG. Uh, and then they started with two draws. Um, they've lost Colomani, they've they've lost a couple of players. They brought in Moussa Sissoko, who's, who's good experience signing for them. But um, again, I think Nantes fans, from, from having spoken to a few last week, I think they're, they're waiting... Uh, they're, they're sort of hoping maybe that you know they 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 get a couple more more players in because they feel like their squad isn't complete and Ludovic Blas may be on the way out but he played last night and actually had a decent game. Now Marseille came away with a two-one win somehow. Um, I say somehow because I felt we dominated the game. I felt we we created enough to certainly score score two goals and deserve to lead. However, they were really fucking unorthodox goals and. We, 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 yeah, we, we made it difficult for ourselves by conceding a, a rather stupid penalty and dropping deep after scoring the first goal rather than, than, than keeping on the front foot. But came away with the three points. Um, what was your overview of the, the performance? Um, the performance, it sort of mirrored last season. What we saw last season a lot at home. Um, it was my worry that, you know, Nantes continued that sort of tradition as we saw over the last sort of 12 months, where opposition players, um, the opposition team, build their way back into the game. They they sort of absorb, absorb, absorb. And after 20 minutes of sort of OM sort of thinking that they're going to completely dominate, everyone's camped down their own half, suddenly a quick clearance, a quick turnover, and they're defending. And you've got, you know, two players on the wing um, in Nantes. Uh, I think uh, we had... Uh, yesterday, uh, Blas, as you said, uh, and uh, Moses Simon and, and Guessand as well, quite adept at you know, sort of providing that turnover and, and pushing forward. And it's a shame because I think the first 20 minutes, it was really, really good to see. I think while while the um, 
the chances weren't really there uh, or weren't really converted. There were sort of a lot of movements in the final third. There was a lot of shots. There were a lot of sort of openings. You know, we had, I think, you know, one was in the end chalked off uh, because of offside, but perhaps three veritable penalty um, appeals. You know, Sanchez looked lively. Um, the, the sort of the um, the progressive sort of uh, moves forward by Tavares and, and Klaus. It was all very interesting. And it was a question of when um, and not if the team was going to score. And then after, again, after 30 minutes, the first sort of clear chance for Nantes, that was it. That was it until until Mbemba really uh, got the game, you know, sort of starting, uh, started over about now or so. It was something that I, I, I sort of I, I didn't really find palatable. Something that I I hoped that perhaps we wouldn't see. If the if the team is getting themselves into those positions, if you can't convert, continue press away, press away, keep alert, keep focused. It's just a trend that we keep seeing, and it's actually I think something that contributed to a really poor home record last year, where we saw the same under San Paoli. 15, 20 minutes, great start, and then sort of limping towards half time like almost out of breath um yeah it's, it's, it's almost too intense too soon and, and as you say if you don't if you don't find yeah. a break you, you get tired but you also lose concentration you start doubting and yeah well exactly I mean compared to say you know a team that has sort of gone ahead by say two goals right after 25 minutes they've had a really good start created those chances they've taken two you know, you're not the, the other team would be sort of deflated. They're not sort of running back, racing at you, and also you're completely aware and sort of um, content in your position and sort of really feel confident in your ability to repel those attacks. We just haven't seen those, other, you know. Uh, and I think yesterday was another example, um, which is a shame. Like I said, you know, Sanchez in particular looked, I think, very very interesting. Um, in particular, the wingers again, who are you know started the season really really well, um, and Gwenduzi in this advanced role alongside Jesson, I don't really know what why that was the case. That was a big question mark for me. It was... Uh, I think it was, it was an experiment. Yeah, it felt like yeah, an experiment. Yeah, experiment that, you know, didn't completely fail because it didn't really affect the, the, the ending of the match, but it was just a really, really weird thing to have. Um, and you can see that he's not really used to. It's really, his, his big attacking contribution is the progressive passes, building the ball, from defence through midfield and then spraying it out wide or, or, or sort of get connecting with a more creative play. It doesn't have that creativity um, to be the... the I mean, he, I think he, he, he's got the vision, I think. It's not creativity, the problem. It's just that he... I think he loses that lucidity when he's got the ball at his feet for too long. Rush. He's so rough. Well, he, he either rushes it or he, he picks the wrong wrong weight of pass yeah. or... Or he, he's, you know, he sort of gets confused. I think it's more, it's, it's not, I, I think it's got the creativity. I think it's just more, either he learns and adapts to play in those more attacking situations where yeah. um, he's going to have time on the ball, the ball and the, the pressure is all on him to pick the right runner and play play the perfect ball to them. That's where, that's where I think the, 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 the learning curve is for him is, is that weight, weight of passing and because um, he can spot the runs, as you say, when he sprays from deep, he can. But there was a there was a chance exactly towards the end of the first half, wasn't there? Where we we had a great counter attack, and it was him him and Sanchez one two on one, and mm-hmm. and he just fluffed this pass completely. It was just so overhit, 
Um, but if that's Jason or Payet, it's it's a goal, right? Or it's or it's, or it's, a, it's at least a shot on goal by by Sanchez because they played the, the right ball. So I think I, he got into that's the problem with Gendouzi though because he sort of bluffs you because he, he makes those runs and gets himself into those, into those positions even when he does play deeper. And notably yeah. under Sampaoli, he was doing it a lot. And a lot of them were empty runs, dummy runs, to free up the space for, for, the, for the, the wing back to cut back inside. Um, however, when he actually does get the ball half the time, you, he, just, he just seems to me like he's, he's not expecting it. So he's a bit confused and, and he, he didn't plan to get the ball. So he's not thought about where he was going to put it. So whereas Sanchez, for example, I mean, I think in, it, it was 95% pass, pass completion rate. Uh, every time in the first half there was there was a similar action to, to Gunduzi where he was running in to create space or whatever and they did pass it to him. One touch he he played someone in three or four times straight away. He knew exactly where he was going to put the ball before he got it because he's got that experience and he's got that he's used to playing in those forward roles and linking up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll see. I don't think that experiment um, is something that's going to persist um, in the coming weeks. Um, it would, you know, I think the imbroglio about Payet as well. I mean, he came on again in the second half, but really I felt had an impact um, in the second half. And it's good to sort of see him um, on the field. I mean, he's always been a really big source of our uh, sort of attacking momentum, our, our creativity. So uh, I'd, I like, I'd like to see him start at some point. So I, I sort of can't really understand why. He, he's on the bench in particular, given that there's so many new signs and they will need some time to gel. So having... I, think, I think it's a fitness thing. Um, I, I can't see any other reason. I don't believe that the falling out or whatever. I think at his age, he's, he's past but, all of you know, at that. At that sort of, yeah, maybe at his age, but obviously, you know, he's no older than what he was in the spring, really, if you think about it. No, but it's, it's that classic was... thing with him where, where every second season he, he, he struggles, doesn't he? And Exactly, but... Um, I, think I, think he, I think he, he did come back overweight. Yeah. Yeah, apparently he did come back a bit overweight, and then it's it's maybe maybe he's learning as well, right? In the sense yeah. that because when you see Sanchez, the ground he covers, Payet can't do that, and he won't do that anyway. But that's not where, what 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 you would be asking from him in that role behind the striker, right? Sanchez can do the running for the both of them, but I think it's the case, as you say, maybe maybe Tudor's experimenting, maybe he's just waiting for for Payet to be fit enough to put him in there. Um, but I, I, on paper, right, it would make perfect sense to have Sanchez and, and, and Payet as the starters behind Suarez, Milik or, or Django back on boot. Um, but, but I guess the question mark and we can, well, this is probably the time to chat about it, right? So Under came on and then was subbed off after we went down to 10 men because Hugo got sent off and conceded the penalty. And, you know, he was understandably angry about it and there's no need to, to sort of, um, go into to full blown meltdown over that because any player would react the same way. Um, it's just unfortunate it had to be him. It is what it is. But this, there are we, we as much as it's a positive that we have such a big squad. There there are going to be losers if we don't move some of them on because if you if if you've got there's 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 having competition for places where there's five of you and there's three spots and, and because there's a lot of games, you're, you're guaranteed that you're going to play as long as you stay fit and stay concerned. But it's very hard to stay concerned when there's actually eight of you for three spots. And um, for whatever reason, the coach may persist, persist with the starters, even if you are fit and whatever, and it just creates tension. So I, I, I think we're going to have to move players on. I, I don't know who, 
um and, and this this not long left but we all know how, how mad the window gets towards the end but um who would you move on out of the, out of the, the guys at front oh difficult question i'd actually move out the candy um there's no logical reason why <laughs> for me um it's it, it's a, it's a really tough one i think um because I think the, everybody else has a particular, I don't know, profile. You know, Milik has almost the closest to what we have as sort of a standard number nine. And while I think most of this time in dropping deeper comes out of frustration that he's not able to sort of receive the ball or isn't in in a, in a really good position, you know, sometimes playing really, really deep and not um, affecting um, the danger that we can sort of impose in in the box he still has a really really good goal record for us less than one in two or better than one in two even um so for that reason i'd like to have him stay um i think with a further run of games he can i mean last year he had a sort of a similarly slow start and still got 20 goals um all season which is a you know really really fine return it's just a shame that in, in a system as well that wasn't designed with people crossing the ball in for him, and he had to sort exactly. of then I mean, you, would, you would think he'd thrive in this system, yeah. Exactly, and a lot of it wasn't in, obviously in in the league, but it, it really sort of helped. Um, I, I, I'll definitely keep him. I think Bamba Dieng in particular has has a great profile because he has that sprightly movement, um, which we, we've seen last season. You know, in particular, you know, without him, the. The, you know, it would have been a really chastening defeat in the Europa Conference League semi-final. He was really good in Europe last year. He's learning. He's raw. He can develop, particularly in the high, high octane environments as well. Um, and again, finance-wise, I understand if you're going to move him along um, to to get money. The current system helps nobody because it just devalues him. It also affects his preparation if he doesn't go. He's not going to be ready for another week. Oh, sorry, another few weeks um, after the the window, and then obviously a, a quick um, international break as well. Not long um, towards the end of September. Um, I'd, I'd love to keep him. Bakambu, I think, was a bet in January. Started it, well. It, it, it paid off. I mean, you could argue it paid off. And to be it, fair, it, though, it, 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 it was okay. It was a it was it was a bet that I wouldn't say completely paid off. But he did, he you know, served his purpose, did his job. That's, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Has been quite interesting. And if it's true that because of the fact that he's free and he's earning 100k a week, you know, that's easy for me. He scored four goals in 20 appearances. Um, mm. You know, and remember, two of those goals were in like the first two weeks of him signing. So really, mm. it was two goals in four months, shall we say, after that. Um, across obviously all the competitions if it's 100k a week um salary and if Celta Vigo Villarreal whoever it is are going to pay 7 million it's a no-brainer for me yeah I tend to agree I think it's more of a case that maybe he doesn't want to leave because he wants to play Champions League whatever but but in the same time as it was a gamble right it's I was relieved to see that we didn't do the fuck up that the Henri the Jacques would probably have done we only gave him an 18-month contract thankfully so if we don't move him on and he stays, he, he's capable of doing a job. Um, is he going to be top performer? Probably not, but we, you never know. But at the end of the day, he's gone at the end of the season. So, yes, if we can move him on now because the club's willing to pay money for it, definitely agree with you. We'll do it in a heartbeat yeah. and keep Jenk. Um, and, and likewise, yeah. obviously, if, if Juve are unable to get Memphis Depay, 
um, suddenly want to um, get paying 20 million, then absolutely go ahead. Same, same. Um, I think they, uh, well, the, the rumours this week were they, that they inquired for a loan and, and no, there's no interest for us to, to do a loan, even if there is a, an option to buy at the end or, or an obligatory option to buy. <clears throat> we need cash now to be able to, to replace him, right? And so, or not replace him, but invest in other areas of the squad. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a difficult situation um even more so by the fact that it's it seems to be two number tens or two false nines or call them whatever you will and people players like under who have a winger profile purely and who maybe could adapt to that position but will struggle a lot more because naturally they, they're like cutting inside on the on the correct you know their, their left foot their, on, on from the right and stuff c- c- compared to someone like a jason with his a, his movement and his intelligence and his technical quality and, and Endo is going to struggle, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised if he moves on even more so after what happened yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I think obviously it was a bit dis- distasteful for him to be <laughs> subbed after 15 minutes. I think um, it was necessary. I'm not going to blame Igor Tudor that much because in the end, it's something that actually did pay off for the fact that having a defender come in and five at the back and shore up your your three points. Um, the most important thing is the team, but it's, it's it was a perfectly natural um, reaction um, to coming off um, because of the fact, you know, as a substitute, perhaps that he might have felt there are other players who could who could be taken off, um, or that he might have had something to offer. It, it's great. I I I I think you know. It's, well, it's yeah, I'd rather see that reaction than than non no reaction at all. Definitely. Uh, yeah, being very nonchalant. And I think, as you can see, he quite likes the club. Obviously, he's a bit of a cult hero because of, I think his status as second top scorer last season. A really good return. For he broke, broke the curse of Bordeaux as well. <laughs> Bordeaux curse, um, fantastic. And and as you've seen, obviously, with the rumours about Malinowski. Um, this this week and you know if it's true that that's going to be an exchange deal a la Ake and Tongya um, the fact that he doesn't want to go has been sort of really uh, you know being ha- having to be convinced that Atalanta a team that is you know quite interesting a team that we would do really well to to sort of mimic um, a coaching style that ha- has won plaudits who I don't think are in the Champions League but are in Europe um, this year and have, have a you know a, a, a wealth of, of experience and expertise the fact that he doesn't want to go there and stays there I think is, a, is is great for us and I don't want to lose that sort of player um, but we do have a habit of being unable to ship players when the opportunity arises um, so watch, watch I don't think there's there's an opinion for anybody to make at the moment but I think we we would miss Chengus under if he if he were to go Oh, yeah, we'll miss him for the, all the reasons you said. You know, court, court hero for for a few reasons, but as you say, he seems to he seems to have finally found his feet in Marseille, uh, reignited his career, and it's just, it's just bad luck that we 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 bring in a manager who doesn't have a system that 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 favor favors wingers, right? And um, that's why why Conrad de la Fuente was moved on. That's why um, who who else was moved on in front? Um, uh, Luis Enrique as well. It's just because there's no place for them in, in in this in this tactic, and they can't convert to that to that defensive wing back role. So, um, I, I guess we've covered the strikers. I guess as you as you highlighted, you know, we covered the game. We went we went one 0 up. We deserved the lead, I guess. Nantes had had a couple of, of clear chances. Let's not lie, but I, I think we we dropped deep. And um, what I mean defensively, it was better than against Brest. 
Um, it was the same as against Reims. I think it's one of those where they've got to get past the, the you know the midfield, but when they do, they could they, teams can cause us problems because there's only it's, it's free on free regularly because we don't have Bouba Kamara anymore tracking back and 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 cleaning up in midfield. So <clears throat> I thought from last night, I thought Gigou, I'm 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 not convinced by the guy personally. I think he's 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 a he's a you know he's a French Alvaro Gonzalez. I hope to be wrong, but. Um, he just seems. To be- I would. I would even say that. I mean, I. I. I heard that he'd had forged a, a decent reputation in Russia. Um, with with in the Russian league, which is which is nothing. Yeah. Which is yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 a different kettle of fish, of course. But um, you know, obviously, hasn't really had that. Um, you know, I wouldn't say match fitness because they continue to playing, obviously, given the circumstances over the last four or five months. But um, it just doesn't sort of scream good defender to me, you know. And if we're playing three at the back, the fact that two of our defenders are being questioned at the moment is, a, you know, a, a significant question mark. And, you know, I don't know why in particular Isaac Torre was... Um, not even in the stands. I mean, we've got too many players now that actually good options are being told to, you know, not 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 um, get ready for the match and go sit in the stands. Um, that's something obviously we're going to have to look at. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, with Toure, it's I, I get it, and I get that he played, you know, he played during preseason because we, we're still waiting to sign players and stuff and whatever. But I mean, if if Tudor knew weeks ago that he wasn't going to be starting. And that, and that we and clearly the club the club's intention was always to strengthen and continue recruiting players in that position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't get is that, you know it's, it's it's not like Gay Gay had played twice the number of games he had played and, and it was different because we had the need for squad players and Gay came in on the free and well on the free it could, could still cause us fucking issues with, uh, with with FIFA and get a transfer ban. But if 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 you conclude that with Toure, why don't you just loan him? Why don't you yeah. send him back to Louvre for a year where he'll get game time? Or, or even a um, or another league club. A yeah. league club. We have to see. We have to see what that is. I think that might be something in January, which might be the case. Obviously, we've got rumours. Yeah, I'd, I'd be disappointed if not. If he's if he's barely played by then and we don't loan him, I'd be I'd be shocked because we're basically we're we're, we're screwing him before he's even started. Exactly, and. Um, well, well, I think we'll have to see, but um, you know, Guizhou has has not been, you know, obviously very very clumsy uh, challenge. I think it was very harsh, red car, second yellow, um, but still clumsy. Um, yeah, I mean, initially watching it at the ball, we didn't have sound right, but it, it, I think, and, and I think the, um, I think Amazon got it wrong as well. They, I thought initially it, we all thought it was Angers. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Is he? Why? Because he was miles away, and and he did he did get bumped for for contesting, and the fucking referee went went full on Clint Eastwood's pulling out his cards like they were fucking revolvers. But that's what happens in Ligue 1. That's what happens in Marseille. You know, we, we've discussed it at length. It's just we've just got to deal with it. But mm. I think it's more it's the quick succession is why he got the second yellow, and um and they they judged that he he had basically cancelled you know it, it, it destroyed a, a goal scoring opportunity which could be argued pro- probably not because the non-player wasn't anywhere near the ball absolutely so um obviously the jury still remains out on Belerdi in particular as well i don't think he was he was that convincing uh, yesterday um the defense is, is is an issue but obviously with an imminent i'd like to say i don't really know 
how that will develop we'll have to check i mean the one thing i'd sort of give om is that you don't really know what you can get um you know every week where you're going to get a team that will sort of blow away the opponent as, as it was in week one um or a team that has found it perhaps a little bit difficult um, if it wasn't for a bit of fortune, as we saw, saw obviously the draw against Quest uh, last week, and and then this week um, against um, I completely forgot who played Nantes, um, and it's Nice next. Nice, who, as, as someone said, you know, in 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 our, in our little group, the the team that we we feared that we were going to become, <laughs> um, we've had two exactly games, sorry, two two points uh, from three games and, and a really performance in Europe as well. And they and they um, haven't strengthened and they've lost their coach and um yeah and very similar players but they haven't strengthened. Yeah. Yeah so they've got a few like you know interesting players but there has been in, in Schmeichel and, and, and Ramsey. Um you know this is not befitting from a from a club who has an ownership who continuously looks elsewhere for value. First it was Chelsea then then Man United. Obviously this is not the nice view we will sort of keep it on us but um yep. you know it's we're playing them next, and it's obviously a fixture that caused us a lot of <laughs> issues last week, but last season, both on and off the field. And it would be great if we could sort of just fine tune whatever we have and really sort of impose ourselves. Um, over so, so they had um, Nice had uh, Lemina and Todibo sent off today, so they'll be suspended. Brilliant. Um, so that's good news. And, and yeah, with the current form, you'd, you'd fancy us, wouldn't you? Um, even though it's going to be a very hostile environment cause after, after what's happened last year, especially. But you'd well, yeah, fancy us, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a 2 p.m. kickoff on Sunday, um, which I, I hate personally, but it is what it is. Um, but it, it, I, yeah, it's going to be, it, it should probably be a bit less hostile than, yeah, they won't be riled up as much, but still. You'd fancy us with their form and stuff. You'd fancy us to, to be, yeah, to be unlike last season. You'd fancy us to to have a high percentage of, of winning, certainly with the Buckies and, and with our performances so far. But yeah, I guess that that could kickstart because if you get if 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 you get to the end of August, which everybody was was you know as, as we've discussed before, was shaking the boat and we were doomed to fail before we even started. And if you suddenly get to the end of August with with ten points on the board out of four games. Um, you know, people need to shut the fuck up and let let them get on with it. Absolutely, absolutely, and and obviously the the fixtures get a little bit easier. Obviously, you've got Clermont on on deadline day or the day before deadline day, and then you've got Auxerre, and then come Lille, who at the time are you know time we're recording this are well, losing five one. Before Lille, before Lille, you have your your first Champions League group game. Exactly, and then and then Ren, and that's when it starts getting a bit. Tasty. Yes, okay. um, so <laughs> it would be it would be, be, be interesting. I think, as you said, you know, get the points on the board now, get the confidence on. Um, it's great to see, for example, what you want is, is a team your starting eleven to be able to sort of absorb whatever the opposition throws at you, set the rhythm, try and get the goals, and then on the pitch, oh, sorry, on, on the second half turnover you know like it's been really good to see Luis Suarez obviously he didn't come on last week which was quite surprising but against Hans two goals yesterday you know looked a bit of a live wire had a hand in that second goal enforcing uh Palua uh well before Palua to sort of jump for the ball and and sort of you know, keep 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 the ball in, in in our territory um quite interesting that's what you want off the field options 
game changers. Um, and now yeah, we've got profiles, especially right. It's not like I mean, last season we, we we didn't turn over much anyway. But it's one thing with, with a system with wingers. You you can you either have an out and out winger who'll dribble and cross uh, with their right foot like Cruz does and Tavares do on their on their right foot, or you'll have like Marseille have been guilty of having for too long. You'll have Payet and Tovar and Unders who who tend to cut in on their other foot and go central. Um, so, exactly. but but it's sort of you know it's, it becomes very predictable, but also you can't mix it up as much. And, and yeah, I, do, I like this diversity that we have up front, even if back on B or whatever. But if you need pace, and, and I've no doubt that if he doesn't leave, we, we'll have to bring Deng back into the fold just to put him in the shop window and sell him in January. And, and what's clear anyway is that he's got two years left. After after this situation, there's no way he's going to extend. So we need to sell him ASAP. So no doubt in my mind that he'll play. Um, he's he's quick in behind. You've got Bakambu who who can be a decent target man. You've got Milik who's a bit of a you know poacher. You've got Suarez who's a, who's a, who's a, a workhorse, and you've got Sanchez who's just fucking everything at the same time, right? So I'm liking this diversity in the I mean, profiles. Gone gone are the um, days where you know you're looking to the bench and you've got as you said Cowie. Benedetto when he was here, Luis Henrique, you know, any amount of times you had to rely on him or, or Lirola <laughs> to sort of try and change the game. It's, 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 it's one in the blue moon. It's great. I mean, it just goes to show the strength of yesterday's bench. Um, it's it's, it's going to be quite interesting. I think what we do and what we have lacked sometimes under San Paoli was a plan B or a plan C. You know, it's it's more of the we're going to go down the insanity route of trying to do the same things and hoping for a for a different different outcome every every other game. Um, but no, it's 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 fantastic, and I think so far in after game three, I think the nerves have settled a little bit. It's there are still murmurings, which is normal. In, in I think, I think in the, certainly, I mean, not 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 from from the you know the, the micro well not microcosm but the macrocosm of social media stuff, not outside. But I I agree with you certainly. I think inside the club and in the dressing room, people are just finally you know going through the gears and like fuck it, heads down, let's just play. Absolutely, um, and of course, like I said, um, obviously good result yesterday. I think ten, you know, having the ten men and still getting the victory and grinding out, I think it, it would have been a bit deflating if we had settled on a 1-1, but I think once you're down to 10 men, you can't really, I think, complain um, because, you know, Nantes had built up in the second half and they hadn't offered options. And yeah, we, and we, dro- we dropped back as well. But exactly. yeah, straight away, we, we, when he changed it is when we started getting on the front foot a bit more. <laughs> yeah, and that led yeah. to the first goal. And then, and then yeah, we, we did sit back, but we were smart enough um, and and we, we you know lucky enough we, we created the chances and we, we got the second goal which which was fantastic but uh, the last ten minutes I thought they, they the front players played it really well we were time wasting we were we were just running into the space um, we were we were put, you know putting not under pressure with with quick transition play from from the defence and it was coming off so I think we managed the, the end of the game after we went one two one up really well absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's my my sort of turn to ask ask you a question. Obviously, um, now okay. we now we've got that in the bag. Eric Eric Bay is the um, the latest name. I think it's worth mentioning him. He's the uh, one of the signings that we'd alluded to um, early on in the podcast. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I like the player. I've always liked him. Um, I think when he because he came into United the first season, it was Mourinho when they won the Europa League and, and finished second in the Premier League. He he was brilliant. 
and and he was hailed as one of the best newcomers to Premier League that season. And um, you know, his physical defender. Um, I mean, you know, you could fall into the, the temptation because he's Ivorian of saying, uh, you know, a bit like Abdullah Mite. But no, he's, he's so much more than that. He's 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 got pace and he's got technique. Um, and he had a decent preseason with United too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the main question mark with him, sadly, is is his injury record. And it's it, the last three years, he's only he's only managed 20, 22 games a season, which um, even when he was fit, <clears throat> he wouldn't get a, a run in the team. God knows why. United manager Solskjaer and then uh, Rangnick fought Maguire and Lindelof were the best partnership for that team. But hey, um, I, I rate him. I think he's experienced. He's got the European experience too. He's a bit like Mbemba, but on the left side, um, which would be perfect, right? If it gets anything to get Balardi out the starting eleven, it's good in my book. Um, I just hope he can stay fit. And <clears throat> it seems that it's, um, from, from the latest rumours, it's a loan with option to buy, but dependent on the number of appearances he makes. And it's only seven or eight million or something. So it's, for me, it's a no-brainer. <clears throat> and I don't think if, if that's the profile we're after, which is athletic and similar to Mbemba, I, I, there aren't any other players of that profile out there that are available or willing to come to Marseille, I think. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I... It's 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 been six seasons in the Premier League and a hundred appearances isn't isn't a lot. Um, you know he looked incredible. I think the first year, obviously when when Mourinho had gone to the Europa League final, um, and in particular last year he didn't play a lot. Um, but um, he's he's a great he's a great name. He's a great name. He is a it would be I think fantastic if we were to revert to a four. Man defense having him and then Bembers, the first choice centre backs. You know, considerably hoping that it would be fit would be really really interesting for us. And I think a cut above what we want to have is we want to have, you know, at least the second best of everything, the second best defense, the second best midfield, the second best forward line in in league and. And I think, you know, with a few tweaks here and there, we will not be far off. Um, and, yeah, and it's, it's that yeah. those profiles of players as well as experience, right? So if you look at even though, we, you know, McCaw, uh, we, we know it's probably pressure to sell. And I think he's smart enough, right? I mean, he's investing because he can see that, that you know, clubs have probably been sniffing around the Jasson and, and and those players and whatever. We know, and, it, and it, you know, if, if they do well this season, regardless of where we finish in the league, but if they show themselves enough in the Champions League, those players, Jasson, um, uh, you know, even uh, even a Genduzzi, even a, um, a Torre, if he was given a chance, but he won't be, or... You, you know, if, if it just puts them on, on the map and, and that next year is when you can start ambitioning to sell someone for 35, 40 million if they've had a good season. But I think McCourt knows it's a two thing, two year, two year gig. I think uh, Longoya has obviously explained it to him is that why have Jorn Monaco been able to sell so much and so expensive is because they're consistently in the Champions League and that, that gives their players a bit of visibility to, to the big European clubs and scouts. So I think that's the plan, but I'm also glad that... that you know, we, we seem to players like Cross, like Vertu, and like like Bailly and then Bemba. This is this is the end for them. This is well, not the end, but um, they're not going to get a bigger club with the ambitions that Marseille have and, and keeping the sort of similar salary level that they have. Who's playing Champions League? Um, and it's good to have those stalwarts who who are not here to be to be used as um, as you know sort of transfer transfer um sort of money cows you know cash cows next year 
they're here to stay for at least two or three years and that means that you've got you know you've got these sort of workhorses that, that this is the summit for them and if they do well at Marseille because of the, the folklore around the club and stuff they'll go down in in, in very well in the fans books and, and in the league's history and stuff but um I think it, it's great that we we've taken the time and been able to find opportunities like this and Sanchez as well like you know just experienced players who are here for one last one last throw of the dice one last challenge but they're also the right frame of mind players where they were starters in their clubs and uh, they've got that winning mentality and stuff but they're, they're, they're not like signings where in the past we got you know Barcelona rejects like Philippe Cristóbal or we went for these type of players because they've been they've been ta- they've been tipped to do well and they went abroad too early and then we pick them up when they come back and they just don't perform Abdenor was the same for example um, no, we've got we've got confirmed players with the right mentality who who are fighters and, and who are hungry and want to do well. So, I'm I'm very happy with the construction of the squad in terms of the profiles. I think it's a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, well, you know, hopefully we've been in a position where we can um, hopefully announce them. I think they're still personal terms and and all the rest agreed. Um, and then, and then allegedly another another signing after that, hopefully. But but I guess, yeah, we we uh, the squad is too big. We need to for me, we need to move at least four players on just for their sake and the squad harmony sake. Just because it's it, players who don't play, even if they don't sulk, it's just not healthy having that bigger squad. Um, so we'll see. I I, I would expect some departures, maybe some loans, and, and like an under with a you know loan option to buy and that type of thing. Um, just to, just to finish on on the game, um, and <laughs> I mean Blanco's been all right, right? I mean you know his his passing's not great, but Paulo Lopez, that's probably the main thing he has over him. But Blanco's made some good saves in the games he's played in. Um, but yesterday Paulo Lopez just he, he, he saved that bacon, right? They, that was the the best chance for them to equalise, and that save was fucking incredible. I mean he's a cut above, he's a cut above. Although as you said, Blanco, well he looked a bit shaky in pre-season. Yeah. Um, Blanco, we we know, you know, the fact that he played some couple of the first game stuff. I'm I'm reassured, and I'm, I won't have doubts that when called upon, yeah. he'll be okay. He'll be he he's it's not an unknown, is what I mean, and that's 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 good. But um, um Lopez is pass above. Lopez was was incredible. I'm sure he, you know, has has made last season like a few errors, and and no doubt that you know as any goalkeeper will will make a few more uh, this season, but. Um, absolutely fantastic yeah, as you said with that chance of really really good save and obviously contributed to the three points and I'm really excited to sort of have him back as well because you know with the shadow of Mandanda uh, <laughs> over him last season maybe he felt that he couldn't really sort of uh, you know it, I, I don't think it was particularly fair to sort of bench him for Mandanda over the last sort of few games of the season but um, you know now he's the undisputed number one it's his it's his job to sort of um make that role his uh, and, and uh, just, just to add to that as well there's there was another piece of news which was apparently we've we've sacked the co-keeping coach that, that Tudor brought in and, and brought Sao Paulo's one back um apparently that was that was Ribaltan Longoria made that call and and again who knows what happened there but um, you know, if that guy got Lopez playing at a very good level last season, and, and that's not that's a good thing as well. It's a bit of uh, there is some stability somewhere in the club, um, and some continuity. And, and if he worked well with that coach last year, 
Um, you can only hope that, that they'll, they'll continue to do, to do a solid job like they did last year. Notably, that he could contribute with his um, his, his sort of uh, playing out from the back because he is he is a real um, contributor in that sense when it comes to um, getting the ball out of defence and stuff. He's capable of sucking the uh, strikers in on who don't really press organised and, and getting us out of trouble and, and creating a counter attack. Yeah, completely. Agree. Uh, but I guess I think just before we end, um, we'll do we'll do a quick round because the game. So we're playing Nice on Sunday and then Clermont on Wednesday. I, I think we will manage to record before the Clermont game. Um, but just but you, you probably won't be available. <laughs> before before you wrap up, I don't know whether you plan to sort of cover this, but obviously. Sorry, go ahead. A big milestone on Thursday with with the Champions League draw. Exactly. Shit. Yes. That, oh, thanks. Jeez. I, you know what? It's on my notepad in front of me, and I've I've just completely forgotten about it. <laughs> um, um, talk us through. Talk us through the pods and stuff then. So obviously, you know, barring a huge, um, I guess turnaround of events, I suppose. Series of upsets that would be unprecedented. Yeah. It would. It would. We are. We are in pot four. Um, unless um, Benfica. If I just sort of. Um, bring it up if you just give me a second I've got my laptop in front of me um Benfica would have to be eliminated um and I think they're they're in a good sort of position against Dinamo Kiev in, the, in their round Rangers too Rangers as well um and then there's another team I think it's uh, I think it's Zagreb Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah, Dinamo Zagreb and Red Star Belgrade would need four teams to be eliminated and even then if Benfica do get eliminated Dinamo Kiev both them and OM have exactly the same coefficient so I don't know how what, what the tiebreaker is um, in that regard. So I think it's 99% chance so, you know, that we're going to be in port four, which um, is going to increase the chances of obviously having a very, very difficult draw. Um, or um, it's going to be one of those options. If you want to sort of be a glass half full sort of person, nobody wants to draw us in port four because the teams around us would probably be uh, Celtic, uh, Club Brugge, Copenhagen, if they if they qualify, uh, Red Star Belgrade, Dinamo Zagreb, Rangers and Celtic as well. Um, obviously, I think OM would be the the, the hardest challenge. So, um, you'd, you'd, I'd agree with you to an extent, but again, you've got to you know. Sadly, we we know our record, our recent records, but but I agree. It's, it's um, to to use a classic expression used earlier. So you, we'd like I'd like to think, and, and I'm sure you would too, that, that that we've got a completely different club, completely different structure, mentality within the club and, and the dressing room. That um, it's a different kettle of fish, and I, I think just for the pure reason that the same way um, clubs don't like going to Turkey because of the hostile atmosphere. So clubs clubs don't want to go to Villadon. Um, and they know it's difficult, you know, that, that we can they can spur the, the team on and stuff. Um, from what we've seen, yes, we, we're probably both doubting that, you know, the way the defence has been shaking against Ligue 1 teams. Then if it's, you know, if, you, if you're playing Madrid, you're, you're in trouble. But um, we, we're only going to move move up in in terms of squad cohesion and, and, and fitness and stuff like that. So the, the goal yeah. I would say is to to get seven points. Whether that's enough to be, you know, there has been for some some groups and some uh, in some years, seven points has been enough to qualify for the last sixteen. But I think it's seven points is definitely the barometer to um get um, at least your Europa League, League a European yeah. League position, and so to sort of come away with some good results, some money as well. You have to remember it's three million per group stage win. 
um, which would be fantastic because I think if, if we were to, by some miracle, um, win every single game, that would pay for a signing or two. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, and, and obviously if, if, if they do uh, go on to last 16 further bonuses, and obviously with Monaco being eliminated, there's more TV money um, because it's only split between <laughs> and OM, so it's a 60-40 split rather than a 30-20. So we've already made money that way, thanks to thanks to Monica, thanks to Lance as well. Yes. Um, but um, I, I, I would also say um, that, you know, this time with a team that we have, as you said, um, drawing something very similar to what we drew in 2020 with a Porto, a City, a glamour tie, a team who we want to aspire to and a team that we sort of can be our European... Um, you know, mainstays, but, you know, we, we should be able to beat would be well, really uh, yeah. well. A group of death isn't going to help anybody. I think a group of death, while it would be fantastic for the travelling support sort of, you know, to go to the new Camp, to go to the Bernabeu, to go to uh, Dortmund, or, or obviously any of the... Anfield or, 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 or... It would be great, but I think it would, you know, if we were to go down to the zero or one point, it would basically dent our confidence. I think... There, there are, you know, options. You know, you've got Porto, Ajax and Frankfurt in pot one. You've got... Uh, you could get lucky. Yeah, you could get lucky with Frankfurt. Yeah. You've got, you know, severe... But we, we haven't been lucky in, 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 in the last 10 years. We've always, always had a tough group apart from that one time under Deschamps. You've got Sevilla and Leipzig in Porto too, so that there are options there. Atletico Madrid would, I think, also be quite an interesting draw. In pot three, you've got, um, you know, quite varied. You've got Inter and... Benfica and Dortmund, but on the other end, you've got Sporting Lisbon, you've got Leverkusen, who are who started the season appallingly in, in, in Germany, um, and obviously Shakhtar Donetsk, who um, quite away from home. That, that you know that their team that OM should be beating, you know, sort of regularly. You know, that level is something that we should aspire to. So, I think you know a, a really good sort of draw for me would be, um, a, a, you know, a pot one team just so that we can you know say that yeah, we've done prestige tie, yeah, Bayern Munich, so, so Real Madrid even or, or I kind of want to avoid City because we've already done them uh, <laughs> yeah, there. Of them. Yeah. but um, and I still have sort of really bad memories from that 3-0 defeat oh. uh, Shit, you went as well yeah because it was during COVID <laughs> you had a press pass didn't you yeah exactly but I went to the first the first one if you remember on TV it was a bit humiliating um, yeah. The city were just incredible, absolutely incredible. The, the triangles, the pressure they kept. It was like they, and, and, and we were just, you know, at the time we, it was the beginning of the end for AVB and stuff. And, and we just, on on paper and because of the COVID thing and shit, we, we just nothing was going our way. Nothing was going our way. Awful. So I think it'd be good to have that. It'd be good to have an Atletico Madrid um, or Leipzig or even Spurs. Um, and then in pot three, most of the teams in pot three on a good day, particularly at the Velodrome, you know, we, we shouldn't be afraid of the Napolis in this world because we had a tough Europa League group last year. And, you know, we went to intimidating places and came away, obviously. Just we, we, we should have won. I mean, I, I we don't know. Won we, won last year. we should have won. Galatasaray uh, home and, and, and Lazio, home and away. We should have won. We should have beaten Lazio home and away. And it, it, just, it just didn't come off for us. The rub of the green didn't come off. Exactly, and so we, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be concerned. Um, and what's your what's your take? What you know? What would you want? What's a a head sort of type draw? And what's a heart type draw? Well, it's the same as you, but look, I mean, we, we're going to get a bad one. Um, <laughs> we, I'd rather I'd rather just expect it. Um, but I think my my main ambition, as 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 you've said, it's 
for me and for the fans, I think it's it doesn't matter coming dead last, but it's the way you come last. Um, and it's I, I would hope with the experienced heads that we have and the club setup and, and the system that hopefully they'll perfect and the defence find you know find cohesion and and, um, and and you know our play our players all live up to the the, the opportunity and, and and the grandeur of playing in Champions League. Something like the Gendouzis and the Jasson, hopefully they find that that other gear right, but. I think for me, my main ambition is being competitive, as in I don't mind losing against Real Madrid, but I don't want us to, to, to it, it, I just don't want it to be like it was last time. Nobody would accept it, even less so with, with much better squads and all of that. There's just no excuse for it. And especially since then, you've had teams like Victoria Plezen beating Real Madrid, you know, in the group stage. You've, you've had those smaller teams Smaller clubs than Marseille, for fuck's sake, like Buddha Glimt going on runs in the Europa League and stuff. So, oh, yeah, we had the uh, Sport last year. Uh, yeah, was, exactly. So, but, but there's no excuse, you know, we can't hide behind that anymore. Playing so without it, in a group with Inter, Do- uh, Donetsk, and, and uh, Madrid. And Madrid. Yeah, yeah so there's, there's no excuse, um, which which is added pressure, but in a good way. But but OOM finally need to move out of the, you know, the last two times we've been in the competition. And finally, we need to. to to, to prove that we're, we're back to an extent in terms of the club played Europe last year and, and got some experience stuff, but we're back in terms of we're, we're not a fucking whipping boy team. We are we are there to, to, to challenge. And if we lose 1-0 to Liverpool at home, but we give them a game and, and, and you know, we, 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 we look credible, that's that's all I'm asking for. Absolutely. Um, that, that's it. That would be enough for me. Losing against big teams, getting a group of death, I'm not expecting, you know, Europa League would be a miracle in my view, just because I'm expecting a really bad draw, but even you know what, a really bad draw with masks, because if we get an easy draw and we finish bottom in the way that Lille have done in the past with, you know, playing the likes of Wolfsburg and or Monaco have done, you know, they've, they've had, you know, the Salzburgs and, and, and the rest and they've finished bottom. And that, I think that would be more humiliating than having a group of death and finishing bottom. Yeah, because everybody would expect you to. But again, it's it's all there for play for in a way because it's 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 double-edged sword. Everybody's expecting you to, to lose three 0 against Madrid home and away or Liverpool home and away. But what if you don't? And suddenly, that helps with the, the you know the belief, but it helps put us back on the map in terms of the credibility we have for 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 the rest of Europe and and and, and foreign media covering the games and stuff. And it's we need that and we need that continuity. And and yes, gradually. Ten years. Yeah. If we played English teams sort of every year from say 2008 on, we went to win at Anfield. We're the first United. friendship to win at Anfield ever. Um, we we gave United a tough game it's home and away. Arsenal, the Emirates nil nil and close games, you know, yep. um, as well. And um, so we beating Chelsea, beating Chelsea at the Velodrome and exactly. And then we beat other teams. You know, we we gave uh, we're into as bogey team in Europe and stuff. So. Um, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for, for 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 being whipping boys anymore. I won't accept it, and I'll be really fucking harsh on them if that if it does happen for whatever reason. I don't want to hear it. We've got much better squad on paper. Um, you know, the clubs. If the clubs serious about restructuring, they can't tolerate it, and I don't think we'll, we will be. But sadly, recent experience is. You know, I'd rather I'd rather set myself up for for not expecting nothing and be presently surprised. Fingers crossed, but um, and I guess you know, 
Uh, yeah, I think we'd all love an English team because we'd all we'd all fucking travel there and cause chaos. We'd we'd be in with the ultras in the cup. Um, you know, we went to Chesterfield, a few of us, it was great. Um, there'd be probably even more of us if it ideally Chelsea or Spurs in London, even better. Um, but it, yeah, it'd just be great to, to to be able to go to one of the games. And and similarly for all the other international fan clubs, if it's in Barcelona, OM Barcelona will go in numbers. And you know, it's just it's just good for to to to, to sort of uh, with all the fan clubs scattered over Europe now, to, to just draw one of the big teams in one of your countries and go and represent and show that we are part of, you know, the cup and the altruism and we're, we're there all the time, then that's, that's we'd love to. And it's for, for people like um, Steph, who, who, you know, who's, can't necessarily travel abroad often or, or other people who, who don't get the chance to go to the Villadorme uh, more than a few times every few years, then suddenly people from the north of England and from London, we can meet somewhere in the middle and sort it out and have a great time all together. So. And, I, and I think it'll be really good, um, given that it's not always, you know, this is only the second time in in nine nine years um, that we'll have that. And obviously, when I say second time in nine years, it's really the first because of COVID. Um, you yeah, know, they were there. Closed stadiums, weren't they, last time? Yeah. In a really interesting draw last time around. But, um, you know, we have three chances out of eight in Pot 2 to have an English team. You, you, let's hope so, mate. Let's hope so. Um, I mean, we were all hoping for less than the Conference League last year, and we didn't get them. But, <clears throat> but we'll see. But either way, here for the ride. Um, yeah, let's just. I just want us to be competitive and and not go there, knowing in our heads that we, we're gonna we're gonna take a thrashing like we did the last time. But um, guess c- good time to wrap up on that positive note. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mate, good to good to speak to you as always. Um, if we don't record between next time, I guess this this was my last question just before is um you know but do, how do you see us faring against Nice and Clermont? Four points, six points, no points. Six has to be six. Yeah, it has it has to be. I I settled for four, but but I, I could think, live with four. But Nice have looked really really flat, and as you mentioned, uh, obviously they've got, players more. they've got another big game this week. They're you know having to put all and that they're playing in the Conference League as well on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Macab- Macab- Macabai Haith? No, not Haith. And, and, and they're behind, yes, yeah, so they need to win. Um, so um, they've got a big game on Thursday night. So it, all the conditions, they're playing during the day. It's a game that we, if we were playing Thursday night and, you know, obviously they're at home this time, but if we had to play Thursday night and Sunday lunchtime, we'd be absolutely fuming, but that's where they found themselves. Um, so six points. Um, and what I want to see is progress. Yeah, continued progress, um, especially defensively. I think attacking-wise, I can see when it when it clicks, it, I'm seeing better things even in the build-up too. But that's going to be a work in progress. But defensively, they they need to be switched on 100% of the time, um, and not just when we're having an easy ride. Because when when there is a counter-attack, that's when we're in danger. Yeah. But uh, all good. Well, uh, well, hope to have you on soon again. Thanks to everybody for listening. Give us feedback and. We'll speak next week.